0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: This week on the Chicago Bears Review. After their first complete performance of the year in their win over Atlanta, the Bears return to Soldier Field looking to claim their first home victory of the season against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. Can the Bears defend their own turf? Or will the Dolphins spoil our homecoming? All of this and so much more on the Week 7 Preview episode of The Chicago Bears Review! Six games gone with lucky number seven coming up on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins as the Bears are still looking for their first home victory of 2014. What's going on, everybody? Larrity back for the week seven preview episode of the Chicago Bears review. And uh, when the season began, I didn't think I thought the Bears would be two and zero at home, not zero and two. I thought definitely thought we'd beat Buffalo. And, uh, you know, you guys heard me in the. The picks that stick showed the beginning, at the end of the preseason, that uh, I thought the Bears would sweep Green Bay this year. I thought this was the year that we would separate ourselves uh, from them and claim the division as our own. And, uh, yeah, that still hasn't happened yet. So we'll have to wait until week 10 when we come back from the bye week to see if we can get one past uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on Sunday Night Football. So, uh, uh, you know, we'll have a national TV audience, which – under Mark Trestman is an awesome thing because I think we're like six and one on national TV uh, under Mark Trestman uh, so far. So um, you know we'll we'll have to see if the Bears can uh, bring that one to light. But uh, you know here we are, the third and final home game of the first half of 2014 because the NFL did us the uh, did us the solid of uh, playing our playing the first half of the season then we get a break right dead set in the middle before we play the last 8 weeks uh of the season but they gave us five road games and three 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 road uh games so uh you know right now we're 3 and 1 on the road 0 oh and 2 at home so that's kind of uh kind of backwards i mean i didn't think we'd be 1 and 3 on the road don't get me wrong but uh you know i didn't <laughs> i certainly didn't anticipate an 0 oh and 2 start at soldier field so interesting game we have coming up here on sunday and and more so because we don't really know what kind of team we're going to face on sunday or which miami dolphin team will show up i guess would be the more accurate statement because they come out of the gates week one at home mind you but they come out of the gate week one against the new england patriots and dominate you know they beat up Tom Brady. They sacked him a bunch of times. Cameron Wake, uh, you know, is living on Tom Brady's back. And uh, you know the Dolphins put up 33 points and squashed the squashed the Patriots 33 to 20 that first game uh, of the season. It was uh, remarkable actually to watch the final score come across the ticker uh, on that one. Uh, you know th- then they they've they've followed it up with back to back double-digit losses to Buffalo and Kansas City before they beat the Raiders. So no grand accomplishment there. The Raiders are 0-5 uh, this season. So, I mean, it's uh, it, it just kind of gets chalked up to being that first, that week one fluke, you know, that uh, no one really knows what to anticipate going into the season you've got different personnel, sometimes different coaches. You've, you know, you're trying out different things. You're not showing anybody anything during the preseason, and then boom, you come up and you kind of blindside the the opponents. And week two being more regarded as as the you know the game where it's like, well, people have a better idea of what to expect from each other going into week two than they have against week one. So it's it's more about uh, your 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 own preparation going into the game than uh, you know preparing for the opponent. Uh, week one and based on the final score Miami did a better job of getting ready for that first game than New England did and uh, it, they've been you know one in three since that game and having lost a heartbreaker to the uh, to the Packers last Sunday on the final play uh, of the game Rogers throwing a touchdown pass to, uh, to 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 take that one from them but it it, it wasn't as close a game as the final score would indicate uh, the first half of the game was dominated by the Packers. The second half of the game was more of an even matchup. The Dolphins made a run to, to tie it up and make it interesting. So that's why I'm saying, who is this team? Who are we facing are we gonna face the team that beat the Patriots? Are we gonna face the team that gave Green Bay all they could handle, uh, especially in the second half of the game, and you know took tur- turned a huge deficit into a tie game and nearly you know took it to overtime, and God only knows what happens then, uh, kind of thing, you know? Or are we gonna face the team that got run out of their you know run out of the building against Buffalo that that got embarrassed by the? by the chiefs that uh, you know the only other victory they have besides a fluke week 1 victory over new england is against a winless team that's already fired its head coach you know which one of these teams is going to show up on sunday is it going to be the team the kind of team that we shut out in 2010 the last time that we faced them or is it going to be the team that spoils another victory at home like they did in 06 when we were undefeated the best team in in the nfl and the one in five dolphins came into soldier field and kicked the bears butts so you know it's it's a that's that's the concern because on paper the dolphins look tough all on their own they're they're number three in the nfl running the football they're uh like i think second in the nfl in sacks so far this year um they they're stingy against the run they're solid against the pass their their defense is good and you know the bears uh against defenses like the one that Miami has especially with guys rushing off the edge like Cameron Wake and um you know that the uh, the rest of the guys they have on the uh on the defensive line there those are the kinds of guys, uh, the defensive lines, def- 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 defenses, I should say, that uh, give the Bears trouble. And, and the next thing you know, we're, we're, we're having turnovers, making mistakes, and getting behind on a team that we should be better than, it's a team that we should be beating. So this is my concern going into this game. The Bears are favorites uh, to go into it. But, um, you know, this is the NFL, and sometimes. Regardless of talent level, some teams just match up better against others, and also some teams just have other teams' numbers. You know, it just kind of happens that way. And the Dolphins, their last four trips, now granted that's spread out over a long period of time because the Dolphins only come to Chicago like once every eight years now. Uh, the last trip wasn't 06, but when they do, they're usually successful. They've won three out of their last four trips, the Soldier Field, which is uh, pretty amazing, actually. So so even though I've pretty much given away the entire show just in this little bit here, we do have a lot to talk about. Uh, We got some interesting things, not so much news notes, but actually they kind of are. Uh, Some interesting uh, headlines in the injury uh, department, and then we'll get to our preview of this week seven battle where I will elaborate on some of the stuff that I've been talking about here. So uh, let's go ahead and dive right into it. The news and notes segment for week seven. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sitting at my desk at work today and uh i'm on my uh on my lunch break uh i've got a you know working at a new job now, and we tend to basically never leave our desks once we get there for the day i mean you you know obviously you get up every now and again to use the restroom or or whatever but generally um you know you don't really go anywhere for lunch like I've been bringing my own lunch for the last few days uh, and everything so i i went to the break room to warm up my food come back and I'm sitting at my desk and i'm uh you know, online perusing through some things, and I come across this very interesting headline, which at first makes no sense to me, but because it sounds kind of stupid. But then again, I consider the source, and it's Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb said, and I quote, Jay Cutler is the Tony Romo of the Midwest. Now, Tony Romo plays in Dallas, as we all know. We'll see Tony uh in about 7 or 8 weeks uh when the Cowboys come to town on Thursday night football. Um Dallas the last time I checked was in the Midwest. Now I, I guess in Donovan McNabb's head this this uh, you know because Dallas is in Texas he's classifying that as the south. Um you know but to me it sounded like a redundant and foolish statement. The Tony Romo of the Midwest is Tony Romo, because Texas is in the Midwest. So I, you know, just it the, like or just on the surface, it made no sense to me. But what Donovan is saying is that, um, like many people, uh, including myself, have the same opinion of Tony Romo is that he's an excellent quarterback, he's a good football player, but he's not a winner. He's not someone that can be relied upon in crunch time someone with the game on the line he doesn't come through for you now Romo's playing a lot better this year he's got a you know the cowboys are playing way better than anybody thought i mean they're five and one right now i thought at this point they'd be you know two and four or something something like that not not even close to where they are and i sure as hell didn't have them going into seattle and beating the seahawks and making it look bad all at the same time so the the cowboys are uh you know, are 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 pulling off that? Uh, well, there's the NFL for you. There's always the team that does that. Like, where the hell did these guys come from? They're supposed to be terrible. Yeah, but here they are. You know, they cut all that fat. They fire the defensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 the best in the NFL. I'm having arguments made for them that they are the best. Unbelievable. But um, you know, so here's McNabb making this statement saying that. You know, Jay Cutler, like Rony Romo, Tony Romo, I should say, is uh is not a winner. He he can't be dependent dependent upon uh when the game is on the line or or anything like that. And on the surface, uh it's a valid statement. But all at the same time, you know, and and I don't believe that this is Jay Cutler's fault, but Jay's never really been in that position, too many times. Uh, certainly not in a bear uniform. Uh, we just haven't been as successful as we would have liked to be. And, and also, from time to time, Jay's been been hurt. Now we did not lose, um, like like well, you know, the last time that that Jay had an opportunity like that was week seventeen of last season division title on the line it's a winner go home situation against the packers we didn't lose that game because of jay cutler that wasn't his fault uh you know that was that was just one of those games where we went into it with the worst defense in the nfl and that ultimately was what cost us the football game the defense made two huge mistakes in that game one was after sacking aaron Rodgers, everyone just sat around and stared at the football until somebody from green bay came along and picked it up and then uh, at the end of the game, obviously, Chris Conti's blunder, not getting the audible, leaving his receiver wide open. And there's, you know, those 14 points on two huge mistakes are not on Jay Cutler. As a matter of fact, Jay had a, a great game. If, if memory serves, statistically, he was way better than Aaron Rodgers, who struggled like crazy against the Bears uh, in that game. through two interceptions, and, you know, Rodgers was turning the ball over. And, and ultimately, it was just... Our defense could only hold for so long, and they just they, gave, they faltered in the end, like they had pretty much the entire season. We didn't lose that game because of Jay Cutler, you know, uh, But in other instances, like take this year, for instance, week number two, at San Francisco, we're down 20 to 20 to, three, 20 to seven. Yeah, 20 to seven, going into the fourth quarter. Jay Cutler leaves three, you know, three touchdown drives. Boom, we win in San Francisco. First time we win in San Francisco since Reagan was freaking president. Since we won the Super Bowl 29 years ago, last time we won out there. I don't know. Seemed like a winner in a clutch situation to me. But, um, you know, I get what he was trying to say. It's just that it, it just came off stupid to me. Also, this coming from a guy who didn't win anything, who never won anything. You know, he made it to one one Super Bowl after five tries in the NFC Championship game. This was a guy, you know, criticizing Jay Cutler for not being a winner, coming from a guy who's never been a winner. So, seemed kind of hypocritical to me. So I, you know, I just uh, and this is coming from a Chicago guy too, Diamond McNabb, born in bred Chicago, Mont Carmel High School. Uh, you know. Just seem foolish. The Tony Romo of the Midwest when Tony Romo is in the Midwest. So I, I guess he's, I guess Tony Romo is the Tony Romo of the South or, or something. But uh, it just, like, the statement didn't make any sense. And, you know, his, his argument doesn't really hold a lot of weight, you know, uh, much to Tony Romo's, I guess, to, to give Tony Romo credit or, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those this is one of those moments. I, I remember I talked about it the other day about being Woody Page where he's got a thousand things that he's trying to get out and they're all trying to wedge themselves out at the same time. It it just it just it's not a solid argument, in my opinion. Romos had more chances. I think because no matter what people say about the NFC East, it's not a strong division. It's not. Because for several years, the winner of that division has been nine and seven you know it's it's you know it just doesn't make any sense that whoa the nfc East, that's one of the toughest divisions of football no it's not it really isn't so you know and we proved that last year you know we <laughs> it's just ah anyway it's it's um it was a troubling argument to see and you know for for a guy that never won anything to accuse jay cutler of not being a winner and it's not really Jay Cutler's fault that he hasn't been in those positions. Granted, he's he's blown some games, but I wouldn't go so far as to call Jay Cutler a loser uh, by any stretch. So, uh, you know, I just hope that Jay gets his opportunity so he can shut up someone like Donovan McNabb. Now, if this argument came from somebody like, I don't know, Steve Young, then okay, that holds a little bit more weight with me. Also, Steve Young would have also been way too intelligent to say something as stupid as Jay Cutler's the Tony Romo of the Midwest. He would have never said that. He just, he wouldn't have. He's a far more intelligent guy. But, uh, you know, McNabb just showing how foolish he is, making an ignorant statement like that is just stupid. Anyway, it it pissed me off, so I thought that I'd bring it up. Uh, speaking of things that pissed me off, Ryan Mundy. You guys heard me talk about it in the show uh, the review show from the Falcons that uh, the the refs I gave a, a kudos to the refs for picking up the flag on Ryan Monday. Uh he made a hit on I believe it was Roddy White knocked the ball loose uh, and, and everything like Roddy White made a catch Ryan Monday knocked the ever-loving piss out of him he he drops the football that's ruled an incomplete pass flags come flying out after a conference the referees pick up the flag no helmet to helmet third down or whatever you know the result of the play is an incomplete pass third down Atlanta or whatever the result may have been comes out today Ryan Monday was fined $22,000 for hitting Roddy White <sighs> I I don't understand how are you how are you going to get fined for a hit that was not ruled a penalty it wasn't it, it the flag was picked up therefore the penalty never happened and the referee's deemed it a clean hit. Now if you slow any hit down, frame by frame, any hit can look awful. Actually, I take that back. I say the opposite. At full speed, any hit can look devastating. Any hit can look like helmet to helmet. But when you slow it down, which they did on Fox, Mike Pereira who who who, you know, was the the former head of officiating in the NFL chimed in uh, to the game, saying that the referees made the right call. Mundy hit him with the shoulder and, you know, lowered his head, did not lead with the crown of his helmet. It was a good non-call on the referee's part. It was a good job of them picking up the flag. So how is it that now Ryan Mundy's is $22,000 poorer because of a clean hit that, uh, you know, even the former head of officiating says the referees did the right thing by, by, uh, picking up the flag so I, I just don't understand that it's it's um you know i get the nfl trying to protect its players and their mental health and especially with all the guys popping up in the league with uh, you know former players from the league with als or developing cte that you know the, the permanent brain damage that you know that leads to these these uh these terrible uh you know brain diseases these guys don't even know where they are or if they're alive or whatever but um you know, I just think it's ridiculous that a guy gets fined for what was deemed a clean hit, you know, in, in the game. It doesn't make sense to me. So, uh, you know, that did, that did you know, piss me off when I saw that, that, uh, you know, Ryan Mundy was fined for a hit that was not penalized ultimately. They threw the flag, init- flag initially, the referees Conference together. They pick up the flag, wave it off, no penalty, third down or whatever it was. So just... Yeah, I was not happy when I saw that, along with Donovan McNabb's foolish statement about the J being the Tony Romo of the Midwest. It just the, the the more I say it, it, the 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 dumber it sounds to me. Am I alone on this? It just it just sounds dumb to hear him say <laughs> stupid. Anyway, uh, f- wrapping up here in the 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 preview, the, the uh, excuse me, news and notes is the. The, inf- the injury report, it seems like these lists keeps getting longer or the, the names get more marquee every single week. And um, looking at it for the Bears, they got two days of practice under their belt so far. Uh, our linebacking core, every last one of them still on this list. Uh, John Bostick limited with a back injury, so at least he's back in practice. Lance Brig, still not practicing uh, from the, the ribs, not practiced at all this week. Jamon Bushrod, looks like he's coming back this weekend. Uh, was limited on Wednesday, full go on Thursday. I uh, was reading uh, some news and notes uh, this uh, afternoon. Um, Jordan Mills making the comment that this is the first time that the f- the starting five have practiced together all year, which when you think about it, that's absolutely true. Uh, Mills missed OTAs with his uh, foot injury. He was recovering from the surgery. Training camp starts. Kyle Long is out for a while with his uh, viral infection, his viral illness, you know, and that made him sick. Uh, Jordan Mills missed the entire preseason, uh, still rehabbing from the foot injury. They didn't he didn't play it down uh, in the preseason. Uh, So uh, the the first time that they played together was was week one against Buffalo. And then we lost Slauson and Garza. Uh, Slauson and Garza come back we lose Bushrod last week so finally week number seven uh, in the NFL season our starting five are reunited on the field and I think that all five of them will start on Sunday against the Dolphins so we'll talk about talk a little bit more about that offensive line in the preview segment here in just a minute. Uh, Chris Conte thankfully uh, not practicing so far this week uh, with the shoulder injury uh, Matt Forte, they've been resting him. He hasn't practiced yet. Uh, I guess they're noticing the workload that he's carrying, that uh, someone who's catching you know six to ten balls out of the backfield and also running 20 times a game could probably use a little less practice time. Uh, Shay McClellan. Full practice on both days from the hand injury, so he might see some action uh, on Sunday. Uh, DJ Williams, still nursing that neck injury, did not practice Wednesday, was limited on thursday so i think that's about it sheriff mcmanus was full practice on thursday so he was our special teams guy also helps out in uh, nickel packages uh, for the bears on defense Uh, looks like he's finally recovering from that quad injury and steven pia not injury related i guess got a veteran day off on thursday because he did not practice on the Dolphins side let's see we got some Wow, this list is even longer than ours. Uh, Brandon Alberts, their starting left tackle. Elbow injury has been limited. Uh, Luis Delmas, their starting safety, elbow injury. What's up with the elbows down there in Florida? Uh, Full participation, though, so he's good to go. Cortland Finnegan with a neck injury was limited both days. Lamar Miller, he's the guy that we got to watch. He's their running back, stepping in for NoShawn Moreno, who blew an ACL against the uh, Packers so we don't have to worry about him but Miller's actually the more dangerous back averaging over 5 yards of carry so far uh, this year uh, Samson Satelli they're starting uh, s- uh, center limited with a hamstring injury uh, Ryan Tannehill was nursing an ankle injury but he was full go on Thursday let's hope that ankle bothers him some on Sunday makes him a little less mobile because he's actually pretty dangerous on his feet and uh, let's see who else uh, that's going to do it oh Phillip Wheeler one of the linebackers nursing a shoulder injury was full go on Thursday limited on Wednesday so he's probably good to go uh for Sunday so that's going to do it for our news and notes segment I just had to to say something I don't know if I even got much of a coherent statement out just because I was trying to say so many things at once about that Donovan McNabb thing other than saying that I think it's stupid over and over again but I just had to mention that because it really did bug me when I saw that and uh Anywho, what well, you say, we move along to uh, our closing segment here, the preview of the Bears and the Dolphins this Sunday at Soldier Field. <laughs> you know, the Dolphins have always been one of those teams that concerns me. Uh, always when I see them on the schedule, I think, oh, here we go again. Regardless of the fact that Dolphins really haven't put a football team on the field worth talking about in quite some time, and probably not even since Shuler retired. But uh, they've always seemed to be one of those – I mean, at least in my lifetime, anyway. More times than not, when we played the Dolphins, we came away losers. Uh, And it's just kind of one of those things. Like when I was a kid, every time we played the Seahawks, even though the Seahawks at the time when I was growing up, the Seahawks were terrible. Whenever we played the Seahawks, they, we always managed to lose somehow. It, it was it was always just one of those things. It just uh, there was always this team that was like, oh, here are the Bears six and two playing this team that's you know two and six, and that team kicked our ass in Soldier Field in front of the whole world. And uh, you know it's just one of those things that and the Dolphins have been that team for me. I guess um, you know, I can remember back to a to a game in oh god 90, 91? Fall of 91, the Bears are at home against the Dolphins. Marino's still playing uh, back then. And the Bears actually got out to a pretty decent lead against the Dolphins. And then the wheels just came flying off of that thing. Just, just unbelievable things. The, the, there was a punt that goes sailing over the, the punter's head. Uh, the Dolphins turned that into a touchdown. Uh, there was a, a pass interference penalty. I believe it was on Donnell Wolford. For, for you, bear for you, old school fans, remember that guy, uh, Donnell Wolford, who did everything he could besides jump inside the receiver's uniform, and the guy actually ended up catching the ball off of Donnell Wolford's back, like he was. It was such a blatant pass interference; it was ridiculous, and you know, like he was being covered in yellow flags at the end of the play, but the guy still ended up with one hand like catching the football and then holding it against Donnell Wolford's body. That's how he made the catch. That's how the game went for the Bears. In the end, the Dolphins ended up winning uh, the football game. Those are the kinds of memories that come to mind when I think of the Bears playing the Dolphins. And, uh, you know, it always just seemed to always implode against the the Dolphins whenever we played them. So, um, and then, of course, you think back to 2006, their last trip to Soldier Field, the Bears were undefeated, uh, you know, as dominant as can be. Uh, they coming off, a, if I'm not mistaken, a huge win over the 49ers. I think we blew them out uh, the week before. It was the game after we played the Arizona Cardinals on Monday Night Football. We played the 49ers at home and then had the Dolphins come to town. The Dolphins were 1-5 or 1-6 going into that game, and you would have thought that the records were reversed by the way that we played. You know, um, the most memorable play of that game by far for me was uh, Rex Grossman rolling out to his right, Jason Taylor in his face, who's, uh, you know, Rex Grossman, barely six feet tall if he's an inch, and uh, Jason Taylor, six 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 seven tries to throw it over Jason Taylor's head. Jason Taylor catches it, runs it in for a touchdown. Like, oh, okay. So that's how that game went for the Bears. <laughs> I don't remember the final score, but I just remember that it wasn't pretty. Uh, The Bears did try to make it interesting, but it wasn't at the end. It was, I think, like 33-16 to was the final score or something. Something ridiculous like that. So it was uh, not a fun afternoon. Uh, And it just, you know, just one of those things where you just sit back and like, really? Really? Again? We have a Super Bowl caliber team. We're undefeated and the Dolphins managed to beat us again? Uh, You know, this was, the you know, Though all those years removed from Super Bowl 20 and 1985 were, you know, 12 and 0 on Monday night football against the Dolphins and the Dolphins beat us. Uh, you know, the only team that ever made it look easy against the Bears that year in 85. But um, these are the memories, long story short, that come to mind when I think about the Bears playing the Dolphins and uh, what what in the end makes me nervous about this game on Sunday, considering that we haven't played our best games at home in the short amount of time that we've had at home uh, so far this year, and that the Dolphins kind of have though that, that personnel, especially on the defense side of the ball, that will force uh, the Bears into a situation where we will expose our Achilles heel, and so far our Achilles heel this year has been turnovers because whenever we've had turnovers, any turnovers, we've lost. You know, we lost the game against Buffalo. We had turnovers in that game. We lost the game against green bay you guys know about the turnovers there we lost against carolina when we can't couldn't stop turning the ball over in the fourth quarter so it's one of those things that um you know bringing up the offensive line this is what i was wanting to talk about with uh cameron wake and the other defensive linemen that they have that are you know i think i think they were first or second in the nfl in sacks so far this year but uh, Wake especially is the guy that we want to worry about because he's their left defensive end, which means he faces the right tackle of the offensive line on more snaps than than not. And Jordan Mills has been struggling this year. And also on the other end, on our left tackle position, if Bushrod does play this Sunday, and I fully expect him to, he's coming off of a knee-slash-ankle injury. So he might not be... He might be ready to play, but he also might not be 100%. So, this, you know, first key to the game in protecting Jay Cutler, we have to protect our offensive line. Uh, we have to protect our tackles. Uh, Martellus Bennett, uh, Rosario, uh, you know, uh, Dawson, or Dante Rosario. I'm sorry, Rosario Dawson. Yeah, the, the the female actor is our tight end now. Jesus Christ. Dante Rosario, number 88, our tight end. Yeah. Um, we're going to need them to get a piece of those guys just to slow them up a little bit to give Jay that extra half second that he might need uh, to get rid of the football. And also in our passing situation, three steps, five steps, get the ball out because um, the Bears uh, made it a headline on Chicago that one of their main focuses going into this game was to prevent Jay from getting hit as much uh it not really have been a major problem uh for the bears i think really the only game that that jay got hit a lot in was that uh jets game where they were just getting underneath our guys pad levels and driving them back into jay um you know in the end i mean he got sacked four times against the panthers but i those sacks came later uh in the game when it was just getting away from us at that point um You know, otherwise the offensive line has been outstanding, especially in that game against the San Francisco 49ers. You know, that was probably the best defense I thought we'd face all year, and our offensive line played like champs that night. Uh, So it's – you know, we've got our tackles, one struggling, one coming off an injury. To protect Jay, we have to protect them. And, you know, like I said, uh, Martellus Bennett, Dante Rosario, uh, or even, you know, our receivers coming off the edge, Matt Forte, anybody in the backfield, get a piece of those defensive ends when you're going out for your, uh, for your pass patterns uh, on Sunday just to, to earn that extra half second uh, in the pass blocking uh, to protect uh, Jay and our offensive line uh, at the same time. To me, that's, that's the first key. Um, the second key on offense is to um, exploit our strength And, you know, really, you know, actually, it it would be more of do what we did against the Falcons. And what we did against the Falcons was instead of dinking and dunking every play, trying to turn a a five-yard pattern into a 30-yard gain or anything, let's take some shots down the field. I mean, we saw how successful we were. Two biggest plays of the season so far. 47-yard catch to Brandon Marshall uh Alshon Jeffrey with a big you know 76 yard reception taking those shots down the field that's going to open up the middle of the field that's going to open up things for Matt Forte and and uh you know Bennett and even you know Santonio Holmes and Josh Morgan coming across the middle for those slot receivers and such if we've got those guys worried about what Marshall and Jeffrey are going to do down the field you know we need to be taking more shots Down the field. We've got these big athletic receivers who've got outstanding athleticism who can go up there and, you know, every time we've got jump ball receivers. And Jay knows that. Jay loves that. And we need to expose that a bit more to just take some more chances down the football field. Because if you put it up there, chances are our guy's going to come down with it. Because there aren't, I don't think, any. Defenders in the league, no corners, at least not anybody we're facing this weekend that's going to go up there and win a jump ball against our receivers. At the very least, they'll disrupt it, the ball will hit the ground, and you come back to fight another day. But in, in this one, you know, if you put the ball up there, our guys are going to go get it. And uh, I have all the faith in the world And, and to, to approach it much like we did against the Falcons, to mix it up. Take some shots down the field. Not everything has to be a five-yard Uh, run or a 12-yard drag you know take some shots down the field be more aggressive you know be more aggressive and that's you know key number three on defense to basically you know as you heard me say in the open this was the most complete performance that we've had all season you know defense was awesome offense was awesome you know we're hitting on all cylinders on both sides of the ball Matt Forte ran the ball well Jay Cutler threw for 381 yards no interceptions defense had four sacks uh on the day and it was all from different guys so it's not like just one person showed up and had a big day it was four guys having you know going out there and getting the 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 sacks making the pressure and and it's it's a trickle down effect the defensive line plays well so does the secondary and the linebackers because, you know, if the defensive line gets there sooner, the quarterback's got less time to throw the football, and, you know, it, you don't have to cover receivers for five, six, and seven seconds uh, out there in, in, uh, in coverage. So, um, you know, Mel Tucker, God bless him, did a much better job of mixing things up, being more aggressive uh, in his play calling. You know, we talked about how he kind of raved over the fact that we saw a lot more man coverage out of the Bears against the Falcons, not leaving those big, huge zones open. I mean, we still saw a few of those plays, but it wasn't what we were doing every single down, and we weren't paying for it every single down like we were against practically everybody else. So that's those are the big keys uh, for me. On the offensive side, protection is going to be a big deal because I think that the defensive line uh, f- and the blitz packaging from the uh, Dolphins bleeds into the kind of defense that you know we tend to make mistakes against that uh, you see us making those kinds of foolish mistakes the the errant passes uh, um, you know those tip drill things that tend to happen over and over again uh, against uh, uh, you know for Jay and and things like that it's uh, you know those types of things where you know we want to avoid the turnovers because we haven't proven so far this season that unless we're perfect, we lose. You know, we had no turnovers against the Jets, no turnovers against the 49ers, no turnovers last week against the Falcons. We won all three of those games. We had turnovers in our losses against Green Bay, Carolina, and Buffalo. So if we're not perfect, we lose. And, uh, you know, we need to prove that we can make a mistake and not have it be the death knell of us from the beginning. That's something else that we need to do. We need to be more resilient when we do make a mistake, because nobody in the NFL is going to play a perfect game. Even though we were perfect, as far as turnovers are concerned, we were bad on special teams last week and uh, you know things like that. So that's, we need to be more resilient in that regard to be able to handle making a mistake, to be able to bounce back from it, even if that mistake is a turnover, to be able to bounce back and make something happen, make something positive happen, from uh, you know losing the football, getting it back, not letting them gain a yard on you know on the on the ensuing drive and and things like that. So those are those are the big keys uh, for me uh, this week. Um, like I said I, I'm picking the bears to win. Um, I, I, I think that we're, we're going to do it we're, we are the better football team. That's just all there is to it. Uh, th- you know the the, the the Dolphins own a victory uh, you know like I said a fluke week one victory over the Patriots in Miami, and a victory over the 0-5 Oakland Raiders who have already fired their head coach. So not a lot to write home about there. Uh, Their three losses against Green Bay, against Buffalo, against Kansas City, these were games that they were favored to lose when they went into them in the first place. So no real surprise that the Dolphins walked away losers uh, in those games. The Bears are the better football team. We're at home. And we're coming off our best performance of the year. You know, the confidence that comes from, from doing that, the confidence that comes from having your opponent in their own building have to go to silent count. That, that I didn't know going into the review show earlier this week was that the, the, the Bear fans in the Georgia Dome on Sunday, because the Bear fans travel so well, forced the home team to go to a silent count because we were too loud. In the Georgia Dome on Sunday, how awesome is that? So we're going to be in our own building on Sunday, not known to be the most, you know, to be the loudest place in the NFL, but we got the most passionate fans on the planet. We'll make it count uh, against the Dolphins. So the big key, though, um, is to get off to a fast start uh, against the Dolphins in both halves, because the Dolphins have been outscored thirty to thirteen in the first five games of the season. Uh, so far, so getting off to a fast start is important for the bears. And the dolphins, I think, if I read the, if I remember the stat right, 56 to 28 outscoring their opponents in the third quarter. So the first quarter and the third quarter are pretty much going to tell the story for the game. You know, if the bears come out to a fast start and also shut the dolphins down in the third quarter, I guarantee that when we talk again on Tuesday, that we'll be talking, actually Monday, we'll come back on Monday, that uh, we'll be saying how victorious and how awesome it was to watch the Bears win their second game in a row, heading into a big matchup with the Patriots the following Sunday. So there you have it, folks. That's my preview for the week seven matchup between the Bears and the uh, Patriots. Here I am thinking ahead again. The Bears and the Dolphins on Sunday at Soldier Field. I will be live tweeting once again, so please join me on Twitter. Follow me at shy bears review c-h-i bears review on twitter live tweeting the game have some i have a good time doing that you guys uh you know most of you that go in there try to ask me questions and stuff and i do my best to try to get to everybody and answer your uh questions so i mean some of it's just random statements that you have to be watching the game to know what the hell i'm talking about (laughs) because uh you know sometimes it's just like will fuller ain't afraid or kyle fuller ain't afraid or you know something like that uh you know, I see you, Willie Young, that kind of thing. It's just, uh, you know, you have to be watching the game to understand what I'm talking about. So, if you want to know what my incoherent tweets mean, you need to be watching the game with me like everybody else. So, uh, we'll be live tweeting. And also, uh, I haven't mentioned this on the show, at least not in a while, my uh, my appearances on WMT uh, in Cedar Rapids, you guys can hear those live. I also, you know, been posting them on the web, so, uh, you know, as part of the podcast feed. So, you guys are probably hearing them anyway. But if you want to hear them happen live uh, in the mornings, uh, uh, Friday and Monday mornings when the Bears play on Sundays, 8.38 uh, a.m. That's my segment on the WMT Morning Show in Cedar Rapids Central time. So 6 o'clock for you uh, for your early birds there on the West Coast, 9.38, uh, I guess, in the East Coast there. But, um, you know, it's, uh, you can hear it live on the website, Uh, 600.wmtradio.com, or you can hear it on the iHeartRadio app. So uh, it's been fun uh, joining Doug Wagner on his uh, morning show to be able to uh, talk about the Bears and share my quote-unquote expertise with the world uh, in the small community of Cedar Rapids, of course. So uh, anyway, we'll be back on Monday to talk about this game with the Bears and the Dolphins. Are the Bears successful? Will they be 4-3 and three, or will we, be, will we be boo-hooing about a 3-4 and four record and a possible 3-5 and five record because we've got to go to Foxborough next Sunday? So we'll find out all of these questions and more to be answered on the next episode. So until then, my name is Larry D and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.